Rick Jensen. On 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL. Over the past year, we've had some folks in, especially on Workday Wednesdays after 1 o'clock, talk about how to succeed and keep your career going during the pandemic when you're not even allowed in the building and you're wondering, has the culture changed? And you're just trying to keep up with emails and Zoom meetings and all that kind of stuff. In fact, Dr. Robin Odegaard, who is an executive coach, uh, champion performance development, She's written a couple of uh, good books, too. Really laid out, I think, a couple of weeks ago on uh, how to successfully use the social media tools you have, um, especially the Zoom meetings or whatever else you have that you're using to communicate with folks who you report to and those above them as well. She's on the phone again because she always has great advice. Robin, how are you? Hey, Rick. I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, I'm well, thank you. So I appreciate this, um, especially when we talk about, you know, being micromanaged. And then, of course, during the pandemic, and even now for many people, still the absentee managers. And by mm-hmm. the and by the way, this is not just uh, how to deal with a micromanager, but also how to recognize it in yourself as well, right? I am happy to go down that trail if that's where you want to go. I wouldn't use that phrase. I'd use a different one. Uh, how about I, w- I would use path. Uh, why don't you change that to path, Robin? If that makes you happy, absolutely. Well, really, it's not about making me happy. It's about making you better. I, I would use the word path. Thank you for your coaching. I appreciate the micromanagement in this case. Perfect. I was ready and I was wondering at what point she's going to get it that I'm doing that to you. It's like immediately, Jensen, she figured it out immediately that I was doing the micro. I wouldn't use that vowel, you know, things like that. So um, so there are people, and, uh, and and you hear this, you hear a lot more than I do, for example, but, you know, you're hanging out with your friends uh, either online or, or in person, and they're talking about their boss and they Jeez, you know, he doesn't even know what my job is and trying to tell me how to do it and all that. How do you work with that? How do, how do you deal with that? Well, so one of the things is um, that I find helps people is to kind of look at, well, why? Why is this person micromanaging? Is it a cultural thing? Do they have a blame culture? Do they have a CYA culture? Like, why are they doing it? And if they can help their manager fill that why in a way that doesn't require micromanaging, that is so helpful. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, if it is somebody, and I had a program director like this, not here at this station, but elsewhere, and I'll just say this for my bosses, it was not even in Delaware, all right? Um, He was so insecure. Seriously, he was so insecure and and that if anything went wrong with ratings or revenue uh, when it came to the broadcasting side, you would say, well, you know what? They're just not doing it my way. It's, they're not doing it my and and that was the problem. I mean, how do you deal with someone like that? Uh, finally, he lost his job. Is what happened. But in the meantime, I mean, I don't even know how do you deal with somebody who's you know that insecure in any of these situations, especially a CYA situation. Right. So a lot of people get promoted because they're really good at doing the job, but they aren't good at managing people. And those are two different skill sets. And I think that that's not taken into consideration. So you end up with situations like that where people are very confident about how to do the job. But when it comes to managing the people, they're very insecure. And so if you're working under someone like that, sometimes the best thing you can do is help them see that you're really good at the job and that it works out fine so that they don't have to worry, but they're going to, but that can help. 
if you're kind of giving them that. What if they're reacting to somebody above them and you don't have the access to the person above them? And it's like, like you were going to say cultural, right? What if it's cultural mm-hmm. like that and it's, and, and you can't really help them feel better about it because your direct report has somebody above them who's, uh, I guess, equally insecure or feels like they have to have such control. Right. The micromanagement rolls downhill, as they say. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had a situation like that when I worked in corporate where my boss sat behind me in the cubicle land, and she would look over the wall at my computer and ask me, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that way? And it was negatively impacting my paycheck because I was paid on performance. Oh. And it got to the point where I was sitting with my computer turned sideways and leaning over my desk so she couldn't read my computer. <laughs> Did she ever ask you to? So did she ever ask you to move the computer back so she could see it? Well, she actually did ask me. She's like, "Why are you sitting like that?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, you know, it just helps me stretch my size." Like I made up this ridiculous story. Uh, it's, that's pathetic that you have to do that. Mm-hmm. So- yeah, and and then it never got better. I ended up actually leaving that job because I literally could not perform at my peak because I was constantly having to explain what I was doing. Okay, well that's not the answer we want. We No. <laughs> we want not. we want the magic pill that fixes everything, Robin. Well, the magic pill is go and have a really open conversation with your boss and they will understand and it will get better. But we all know that that's not how it works either. No, of course not. So either move the computer to the side or what else? Well, so the other things you can do is is really start performing really at your peak. And if they continue to micromanage you, um, just call them out on it. Say something. It doesn't have to be the heart-to-heart. It can just say, hey, you know, you hired me to do this job. I'm sure you have a job to do, too. You can't do mine and yours at the same time, so let me do mine. There you go. That sounds like the last chance, last-ditch effort, you know, going for the Hail Mary shot. Or am I wrong? Yeah, and the other thing you could ask yourself, there's well, so there's another op- option where is it that your manager doesn't feel like you've had enough training? So then you can say, Oh, you know, it seems like you feel like I need some more training. Is there a a training class you can send me to? What can we do to make this easier for you? Wow. There's reverse psychology. Well, you know, it may be what they think. There's a lack of trust, the inability to delegate. You know, and if if someone is managing someone who is a micromanager, so if you're a top echelon person, you can suggest that they get some coaching about delegation and how to let go of things and how to trust their employees to do the job they're hired to do. There you go. I think that is the bottom line. You, You hire somebody to do the job and let them do the job, and if they're not performing, then you have the conversation. But the other problem like we talked about is sometimes you'll have a manager who's being micromanaged by somebody else above them. And now you find mm-hmm. yourself having to communicate not only to your direct report, but to that person's direct report, or maybe in such a way, and it just takes so much more time to, to have to say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to write this so that you can write it for, for him or her or, or whatever. Right. Well, and so if you have a situation where the micromanagement is rolling downhill, what you can do is have a conversation with your direct boss saying, look, it seems like you're being micromanaged from above, and I know that's turning into micromanagement of me. What can we do collectively to make this better for both of us? There you go. What if he's scared? So, 
Uh, and that's the thing. Like, you could be scared. But the truth is, if you can't delegate and then trust, you are limiting your own growth because you can only work so many hours. You can only hold on to so much at a time before you have to delegate to grow. I know I'm describing the, you know, the ultimate dysfunctional corporate situation here, but they do exist. What if your boss is scared? And so if your boss is scared, that's a, you can either have a conversation or you can just decide that that's not something you can fix. You know, it, sometimes other people's problems are not your responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, but if it is causing a problem for you, it may not be your fault, but then you have to address the problem. And that's a conversation you can have. Share with us a real, a real life situation uh, where you were coaching somebody and they were successful in overcoming the problem when it comes to micromanagement. Okay, so I had a situation where someone was doing a lot of conference calls. That's what the world we live in right now is conference calls, Zoom calls. And their boss kept showing up on these calls. It's like she was running calls, but her boss kept showing up. And she felt very micromanaged, very undermined, like it was just a waste of her time. And so she went to her boss and said, it seems like you're wanting a lot of information from these calls. Um, do you want to run them? And then I'll go do some other work because I think it's, it's duplicating for us to both be on these calls. Um, or do you have something you need to do and I'll just run these calls? How would you like to handle this? And the conversation at first was a little challenging because the boss was like, oh, no, no, I just, I, you know, I'm just there. But as she pushed it a little bit, they did finally come to the conclusion that, yeah, the boss did not need to be on those calls and that she should just trust the notes that came out of them. So she actually had to say to the guy a couple more times, oh, no, 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 mm -hmm. I'm, I'm serious about this. I can do the call. You can do the call. We're both competent people. Pick one. Right, exactly. It was, it was basically a situation of either you do it or I do it. We don't both have to do it. And um, it, it took a while. It took some time. It took some conversations. But they did finally get to a conclusion where – she was allowed to run the calls and the boss kept stopped popping in on her. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever have a situation where you're coaching somebody in their career in a situation like this and there was not a good result, no matter how much they tried? Oh yeah. I've definitely been in situations where I'm working with someone, um, usually someone in middle management who has a, a executive above them who's micromanaging and they cannot make headway. It just is not working. And they talk about trust and they talk about dele delegation and they talk about accountability without authority. And they have all these different conversations and pretty soon they just say, this isn't working. And they have to decide, am I going to live with it? If nothing changes, am I going to live with it? Or if nothing changes, am I going to leave? Those are your two choices at that point. Before we get to the point where someone listening, if you do manage other people and maybe you're not sure if you're micromanaging or not, hang on. I'm going to ask Dr. Robin Odegaard uh, to describe some of the things you might recognize in your, in your own uh, behavior to show you that, yeah, you are micromanaging. And it can be very, very negative. It can hurt the productivity of your department or your company, and it's your fault. Because you're not, and I'll, I'll say that to, to people, it's, it's, it's your fault because you're not allowing people to actually do the job and giving them bandwidth in order to do that. But in addition to that, you coach a lot of people, you coach executives, and uh, and you started out as a uh, very pretty well-known uh, female athlete, and you were coaching women on teams, especially because, you know, there's a special dynamic there, and... And I'm wondering, you know, right now, I just wanted to say that so people know that that's part of your background. It's not really pertinent to 
It's not really pertinent to the question. Uh, <laughs> just wanted people to know. But right now, as you're coaching lots and lots of people, I'm wondering, what are you seeing for the job market, especially uh, in Delaware, South Jersey, Northern Maryland? Well, so there are a lot of jobs out there, but I'm also seeing that a lot of jobs are getting a ton of applications. And these are applications, some people are qualified, some people are overqualified, some people aren't qualified. And the challenge with that is, is that the people who are trying to hire are having to sort and take you know, time to go through all of that. And that makes it tough. And they end up using um, computers. And I'm, I hate that. I hate the fact that computers decide whether someone is worthy of a job interview. I wish that humans looked at every single resume, but that's just not the way it works. I hate the phrase overqualified. Maybe I have done a, a job that, that involves this, yeah. that, and more, but, but I want this. I, I, I can do this. I can do it well. I've done this too, you know, and, and don't mm -hmm. tell me I'm overqualified. I hate that. I agree with you. I could get on that soapbox for days. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that having too much experience is a thing, but it is. Okay, you know what? This might be an excuse to have you on next week and, and uh, with a whole different topic, how to overcome that uh, pushback or job interview or an email or something where they say you're overqualified and you really want the opportunity at this job. Maybe we can do that next week. Now, uh, first off, someone's uh, listening. They manage people. And they're wondering, you know, why is it, gosh, hey, we really can't get these, these folks to get the job done. And, and they say that they're overworked and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? It might be you as the manager. It might be you as an AVP or a vice president of a company or even the president of a company. Uh, you might be the one who's actually causing the problem and a lack of productivity because of micromanaging. So if somebody is open enough to recognize, uh, okay, I should be looking at myself, what sort of traits, behaviors, whatever, uh, should they be looking at to see if maybe they are causing a lack of productivity, productivity because they're micromanaging? Well, when I say the word delegation, if that scares you, that's a big sign. If, if the idea of delegating work makes you go, oh, no, I, I can't do that, that's a sign. Uh, if every single decision that happens in your organization has to come through you, that has to have a stamp on it by you, that's a sign. If someone, you allow someone to make a decision, but you want to hear them talk through their whole process to make sure you approve how they're getting to that decision, that's not allowing a decision. That's making them tell it to you as they go and then telling them what's right and wrong. Um, what's another good one? I don't if know. your employees are, are afraid to share their opinions because it's not worth it, that's a big sign. Wow. See, uh, years ago when they made a mistake to put me in management, I actually enjoyed delegating because I'm lazy. Hmm. <laughs> well, that's a whole separate. That's absentee man management. That's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love those signs you had. That's, that's awesome stuff. Uh, we'll get this in the podcast as well. So that's something else, too. Absentee management. You're working on projects. You're working with others. You might have uh, uh, somebody you report to, and uh, especially because it's a pandemic, you can't reach them in time. You're having a hard time getting a hold of them. You mean, what are some of the uh, other examples of absentee managers? Yeah, so absentee managers are the ones who um, delegate too much. They give, you, they give stuff to their employees that their employees are not really qualified to handle. They aren't available to answer questions. Um, they don't know the answer to, in question, to questions, and they're not willing to go help you find them out. They, they always say, oh, you know, you can do it. You're empowered. You can make decisions. But the, um, the manager doesn't take accountability for those decisions. They're not helpful. 
See, I, I so, think I'm yeah. running I'm running into that problem with producer Randy, as a matter of fact. Oh. Yeah. But I is Randy I've, here to defend himself. <laughs> oh yeah, he is. Turn the mic on, Randy. Say hi Hello. to Robin. Hello, Robin. How are you? You, hey, Randy, he's throwing you under the bus. He does it every day. So. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, both vegetarians. Oh. Wow. Cool. Oh, awesome yeah. News. She's written a book on healthy eating. Oh, wow. Awesome. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah. I, I do it for a love of book. animals and for, uh, you know, and for health reasons, so. Ah, yeah, I do it for health reasons, but I love animals too. So kind of reverse the same same. We get to the same place, so it doesn't matter. Absolutely. That's all. Hey, have you ever tried? Uh, oh no, no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that now. No, no, we're not. No, because I'm going to jump in and I'm going to say, look at the cauliflower. You could see a face in it. You see the face in the cauliflower? Yeah, you can't eat that. I know. No, I have actually uh, assigned Randy. I think three or four times. Uh, to procure a guest for interviews, and uh, he's never done it. I, and I keep delegating that responsibility to him. I, what do I do? Is that his responsibility, or is it yours? As a producer? In the job description. Whose job is it? We don't have that written down, do we? No, and, I, and my uh... fear is double double booking a guest sometime, and I'll get somebody really good, and then we'll have to like bump them for, for a borough council member or something. <laughs> We don't have burrows. Oh, so here, here's the, you, know what, you know what's happening here? You have a lack of, of standard operating procedures and a lack of communication. Solve those two problems, and the issue doesn't exist. Fine. Randy, you, you, you book them. Let me know, and I won't uh, put them on the calendar. All right, go. Cool. Okay? Okay, we're done. He's <laughs> done and done. He, he still won't do it. Uh, what do you do about an absentee manager? All right, so absentee managers are really a challenge because they, they don't create enough of a problem for the uh, organization as a whole to care because they're, they're, not being, they're not engaging in fraud. They're not being abusive. They're not actively undermining work. They're just not there. And so they can be really, really challenging. And what you can do is start trying to make sure that the decisions that you make are seen by upper management as being made by you, that your uh, absentee boss isn't making making it look like they're making them because that gives them a credibility they don't actually have. So that's one option. Uh, the other option, again, I'm going to say this. I know people hate it when I say this, but have a conversation with them and say, look, I'm not getting enough leadership from you. I need more leadership. And I think that that, that brings us to a situation where the younger generation is really looking for leadership and the older generation is like, just figure it out. And so there's a very serious lack of communication there. All right. Dr. Robin, Robin. I can't simply believe I said Robin. I blame Randy. Randy, you made me mispronounce that. <laughs> what kind of bad management is that? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's his fault. Sorry, Rick. <laughs> Thank you. You know those meetings where we have that they, they're supposed to be conferences or whatever, or, uh, planning, and they become blame-casting meetings? <laughs> mm -hmm. Throwing I, people under the bus yeah, with I, a syndrome. I, I do that to Randy all the time. <laughs> Just because it's fun, mm -hmm. though. Uh, Dr. Robin Odegaard, executive coach, champion performance development. Actually, I lo just love having you on. Uh, so they want to learn more about you. Where do they find you online? Uh, on LinkedIn is really easy, but also my website is champperformance.com. Pretty easy to find me there. Good stuff. We'll get to something. And I, I encourage people to reach out and say hi. I'm super friendly. I love to talk to people. So reach out and say hello. She does. Oh, my gosh. Next week. Okay, we'll get you on next week. Because she once actually went to a uh, a mall and I think, uh, where was it, a, a restaurant on a uh, on I-95, uh, like, like rest center or something like that. The rest stop, yeah. The rest stop. And you held a sign at a table. And what did it say? Happy to listen. I forgot you did that. Pre-pandemic, 
pandemic. I used to do it pretty regularly. Yep. That's awesome. All right, Champ Performance. Champperformance.com. Yep. Thanks, Robin. Good talk. Take care. You too, Rick. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, let's see. She's smart. We got to take a break? Okay, back after this.